Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, listeners? Welcome to the latest episode of River City 93, brought to you by Roughneck Stars, Icarus FC, and of course, for the culture. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and is joining me is the guy that's from New England, but probably would say that he's from Richmond, Mr. Matt Baldock. How are you doing, my man? Good, man. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm good, man. I can't complain. You know, it's been a busy week for me, but... I'm pretty sure I'm a little bit more relaxed than what you guys have been, <laughs> more yeah. or less. Yeah. yeah, going into this weekend, it's a, it's a must win for sure. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So I got to ask first, before we hop into all the stuff about your background and things like that, how is Derek after a loss? Because I, like, I imagine like there is like, some rage points there <laughs> with him. Um, I think outwardly I'd say he's actually – pretty pretty calm and collected um you know because he's still he's still got a team to lead you know he's the he's the captain of the ship so um if he's out of control or if he's um a little bit too negative then it's going to have an impact on the rest of the group um and i've never really seen him go that way uh which i really really appreciate but obviously you can tell in his eyes and in his voice that um losing is like poison to him so uh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not good, but he he never he never freaks out or anything like that. Definitely not. Okay. So also other question about Darren. I probably won't talk too much about your head coach. Um, Careful. Does he remind you of Thanos? Yes or no? Just want to know because we've had this uh, debate on a podcast. Um, are you talking like head shape? Yes. <laughs> All right, head shape. Yeah, but uh, you know Darren's Darren. Like he's his own man. So. I want to give him his credit. He's Darren Swatsky, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Matt, for, like another question I want to ask you, man, is like how did you get involved into the game of soccer? Of course, you're from, you know, the New Hampshire area, things like that. To my knowledge, it's very cold up there. It's a state yep. that I think is probably like frozen 11 months out of the year. So how yeah. did you get involved with soccer? <laughs> um. It all kind of started, um, I think, like, similar to a lot of kids, probably just, like, playing, like, rec soccer um, with uh, my best friend. Um, just, like, you know, old-school bumblebee soccer, just running around, chasing the ball. Um, and I actually didn't like it at first because I didn't like the feeling of sweating. Like, I didn't like sweat. And my dad just kept telling me, like, it's just natural. Like, forget about it. It's not a big deal. Um, and I kind of just, like, kept playing because it was, like, the sport that my friends were playing. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with soccer. I'd say when I was like eight or nine, when I was actually able to like play on a proper team and wear like a Jersey. Um, but yeah, I mean, soccer is definitely not big in New Hampshire. Um, 
you have to play indoors from basically, I would say from November to March until you're older, when you get the chance to like travel South and play in like New York, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Jersey and stuff like that. So for the first few years of playing, like there's not a lot of outdoor soccer. It's more like playing in domes in the winter. A lot of that. Word, word, word. So, Another thing, like, did you naturally start off playing midfielder or were you like a striker anywhere else on the field? Um, I think as a kid, I think everyone kind of like roams through all the positions on the field. Like there was a, you know, there was a time when I was playing goalkeeper, like every third or fourth game. Um, Hold on, but... time out, time out, time out. <laughs> you were playing goalkeeper? Well, I mean, like as a kid, like eight, nine, oh. ten, like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we all had to step in there. Like, I think I put on some of, like, my buddy's goalie gloves and was just, like, in there seeing if I could – and I probably didn't even use my hands. I was probably using my feet. But, like, as a youth player, like, I grew up playing striker. Um, kind of like, um, I would say, like, an Aguero-type striker or, like, a Jamie Vardy, like, running in behind, um, finding pockets of space. Obviously not a hold-up type. And then um, that kind of changed over the years. So young Matt is probably like Jamie Vardy, just substitute Baco for maybe like Capri Suns and Orange License. That's what we're doing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that image now in my head is now hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to UMass. Talk to us about how that experience was playing for the Minutemen, things like that. Were you around the time they kind of went Division One uh, for football and things like that? Um. Yeah, I think. I don't don't quote me on this because I don't know, but um, I'm pretty sure that was right around the time they did go Division One because they were building the new football stadium um, when I was there, and they were actually busing the football team to play their home games at Gillette Stadium. Um, but as far as playing soccer at UMass, like I wouldn't trade it for the world. I only went to UMass for a year, but that experience that I had at UMass playing under Sam Coke, um, rest in peace. He's a it's like a father figure to I'm pretty sure every single player he ever coached um, legend at the university of Massachusetts Amherst and um, taught me a lot about the game, taught me a lot about life. Uh, and I wouldn't trade my experience there for the world, even though we weren't the greatest like footballing team. Um, I'd say 50% of my game now as a pro comes from the grit and the grind that Sam Coke put us through at UMass, for sure. So it's kind of like a two-part question I want to ask you. What what was your deciding factor of going to UMass um, for the minimum, and why only one year in college? Um, well, to start off with, um, I didn't really have my eyes set on UMass at all. I mean, growing up, like, until I was 16, and I, I tell this to all the kids I coach, like, until I was 16, I wasn't even sure if I was going to actually play college soccer because um, I was still kind of like growing into my body and I wasn't fast yet. Um, and I was just like, I was way too small. And then finally, I kind of like hit the massive heights of 5'8", you know, and got my speed. And, well, I mean, uh, that's all you need to play goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, but then at 16, I made the ODP regional team back when ODP was kind of like a big deal still. And um, that's when I started getting my my recruiting letters and, and emails and phone calls from coaches. And a lot of the schools were um, schools that 
well, I'll just be honest, required a much higher GPA than I had to give. Um, and it just so happened that um, Sam Coke came to me with uh, with an offer that was going to help my family a lot. And also it wasn't too far away from home. And I wasn't 100% sure that I wanted to go to the Lafayettes or the Bucknells or anything like too far. So it just kind of like fell all into place. And I took a tour there and I loved it um, like immediately. Um, and I liked Sam. I liked, I liked the campus. I liked that I was, like I said, pretty close to home. And, um, and also one of my teammates on my club team that I was playing with had committed to UMass as well. So that was kind of another, I'd say another driving factor was that I was going to know somebody and I was going to be very good friends with somebody in my freshman class. So we ended, actually ended up rooming together our freshman year. So that was also kind of like something that made it a little bit more comfortable um, than kind of going into like a, just a random college, not knowing anyone. Um, and, and like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was like probably one of the best decisions I ever made. And then the reason I only stayed there for one year was, well, a lot of things, a lot of things come into play with that, but I'd say the number one factor there was that um, I've never really loved anything or been passionate about anything relatively close to as passionate as I am about soccer. And my goal has always been to play professionally, like at whatever level, it didn't really matter to me. Like I just wanted to, I just wanted to play for as long as possible. Um, and so I left after my freshman year to kind of just like chase that dream. And luckily it paid off. I mean, you can't beat it about chasing your dreams and stuff like that. So yep. 2015, you went to a match United. How was yep. that time there? Like, does anything kind of still stick to you about it? Thing like that. Um, match United was a stepping stone for sure. Um, I actually don't even know what league that club plays in anymore. Um, but it was so I had gone on trial with Harrisburg City Islanders and I'd been called back to preseason in 2015. And in preseason, like first week of preseason, went up for a header, landed on a kid's foot. Uh, I had like um, a very small MCL strain, but I had a really, really bad high ankle sprain at the same time on the same leg. And I just like I wasn't able to play through it. And they actually ended up letting me go from preseason. So my only option was, well, I had two options to either go to Keene state college, which is like a local school around where I'm from in New Hampshire and just go back to school and kind of like rehab there and play in the fall or play through the summer with mass or like rehab, then play through the summer with mass United and work um, landscaping to make some money on the side, which is what I did. Um, and then, so at the end of 2015, like took a whole year basically to get back to the time when you can go to tryouts for USL clubs. I had to wait till the season ended. And then um, I ended up going back to Harrisburg. And luckily the coach obviously still still knew me and we had been keeping in touch. And um, and then in 2016, I didn't sprain my ankle or do my MCL in preseason. I ended up signing a contract. So, I mean, you know, it's funny how things work, but yeah. So real quick, I'm, I'm going to pull this back. You did landscaping? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big profession up north. I mean, like, if I if I wasn't good at soccer, if I didn't become a soccer player, like, there's every chance in the world I'd be weeding some plants and 
pruning trees and mulching gardens and cleaning out cleaning out pools and stuff like that i mean it's not it you know it's honest work but at the end of the day like you get to see you get to see like the before and after and um yeah it's definitely not enjoyable like at the moment but like it's definitely rewarding at the end of the day so i gotta ask do you have the green thumb on the team like are you the planter on the team um i actually we we i actually just went out and bought a bunch of plants we got some succulents in the living room we got some uh, we got some yucca trees here in the uh in the sunroom we got a bunch of plants on the porch I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to keep them alive, but they're cool to have while they while they are alive, you know. Oh my god, this this is getting better and better. By the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the more you learn about a player. Yeah. Um. Real. So, like you said, 2016, you go back to uh, Harrisburg, City Islanders. Yeah. How was that time? You know, definitely now you're in the, like the pros and stuff like that. You reached your dream. How was that moment for you? Um. It was actually pretty surreal. Uh, when I got offered the contract, we had we were up at Penn State. We had played a preseason game against Penn State, and our ho- head coach Bill Betcher, every every player that was on trial after the game in the locker room at Penn State took us into the coaching room individually, had a meeting with us, either cut you or signed you there on the spot. Um, and it was funny actually because player who I was rooming with in the hotel during the whole preseason, um, Yusuf also got signed. So luckily our car ride back was, was pretty positive from Penn state all the way back to Harrisburg. I'm sure other people didn't have great car rides back, but, um, signing that contract was, was unbelievable. Obviously I called my parents. Um, and it's, you know, one of those classic rookie contracts that you get in the USL. And back then, I know it's not that long ago, five years ago, but five or six years ago, but those contracts are brutal, man. Those are, those are, those are basically like you got enough money to buy some food, you know what I mean? Um, but it, it's never really been about the money. So, um, yeah, that didn't really matter to me, but just signing a contract and being able to have a, have a Jersey with a number and my name on the back and be able to represent like everything that I've been through and to put it all right and make people proud. It's just like, you know, it's an amazing moment. So, um, yeah, just thinking about it is, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So you only spent one year at Harrisburg. So Another two-part question. Why didn't you stay longer in Har- uh, Harrisburg? And what made you want to come to Richmond to play here in 2017? Um, so as a rookie, I played – I think I played 20, 24 games. Um, there was – back then in the championship, I think it was 32 regular season games or 34, 32. And I play, I started 18 and played at 24. So I thought I had a really good season. Um Scored my debut in the Open Cup. Um, I think I got two more assists throughout the season. And um, I thought I, like, showed really well for a rookie. But at the end of the day, they didn't re-sign me. So that was pretty hard to take, like, in that meeting at the end of the season when my head coach told me they weren't going to re-sign me or pick up my option. Um, I, was, I was pretty devastated. Like, honestly, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, but... Luckily, I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast knows Adrian Clulo, who's played for the Kickers and coached for the Kickers and, you know, kind of a Richmond Kickers legend in his own right. Um, he was my high school coach 
at the Winchenden School in Massachusetts from 2010 to 2012, or was it 2011 to 2012 or something like that? Didn't I know uh, that? Yeah, wild, yeah, small world, man. So, um, <laughs> how so was he, he was as a head coach, by the way? Just want to know. Awesome. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I would say, I would say, um, no disrespect to anyone else that I, that's ever been a head coach of mine, but before Darren, I would say Adrian Clue was probably my favorite head coach that I've ever had. Um, but yeah, so he was, he was the goalkeeper coach here in Richmond and I just gave him a call. Um, I don't know when, like, but at some point during the off season, I gave him a call and I said, Hey, do you think, um, Lee would, would want to take a look at me? Like I have a highlight tape and all this. And basically Cluey said like, you know, I have a good relationship with Lee. Let me talk to him. Um, and luckily, uh, luckily Lee gave me a call and offered me a chance to come down and train with the team. Um, and then the next four or five months was basically just about the grit and the grind that I learned from UMass. And, um, I didn't get a train, I didn't get a training top. I didn't get, I didn't get anything. Like I did not get anything. I paid my way through staying at a, um, extended stay, um, when spring and space extended stay on West broad, um, didn't get a training top, didn't get training socks, no shorts. I think there was one day when I think I got a training top the day after I wore a long sleeve t-shirt to practice. Cause I didn't have any, like, you know, it was brutal, man. It was brutal, but Lee gave me the chance. So I, like, I, there's nothing I can say about him other than like, thank you. Give me the chance to like train and earn my way to get a paper dress contract, which I did. And then, um, obviously I, I played 11 games at the end of that season scored a goal, got two assists again in those last 11 games. And then I got re-signed. So it's, it's just about believing in yourself, not wanting to prove other people wrong, but wanting to prove yourself right. And um, with a little bit of help from, from Adrian and Lee and my parents, you know, I was able to, I was able to finally sign a contract for the kickers. So it sounds like your whole story so far is that of like really coming through adversity. Like yep. you didn't, you know, which it sounds like sometimes like you weren't like the most, scouted player in the world you kind of really had to grind and hustle 100 if you wanted opportunity you had to grind and hustle for it. and that yep really shows off a lot in your play yep. because i don't know if you heard it from us fans but a lot of the times we're sitting here in the stands we're like why does matt look so pissed on the field <laughs> <laughs> oh man brutal stuff so like how is your demeanor on the field is, is it that of like you just have on like Blinders up and you're just pissed off trying to just you know get stuff done or or is it much different than that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I th- I would probably be nice if I didn't look like look so mean when I was on the field, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I love winning, um, hate losing, and um, there's some games that I feel like I could have a more of an impact than I do, and. Sometimes I feel like that's down to the game. And then other times when I'm looking back in retrospect, it has a lot to do with like myself and how I got involved in the game or the lack thereof getting involved. And, um, and then basically when I don't have a good game on the ball or anything like that, like it's always kind of just replace it with hard work, replace it with wanting to do the best thing you can for the team and your teammates. And just wanted to give, give a good account of the badge and um, just do everything you can to make sure that, like, at the end of the 90 minutes that you feel like there's nothing left you can give. And 
there's been a few games this season that I really, really felt like I just like watched the game passing by and like there's there's regrets after those games, like specifically Greenville. I felt like I, I didn't help the team at all. And, you know, after games like that, against rivals like that, it's just like it's hard to take. And so, um, but I, I would say that at the end of every game, at home at least, for sure, at home, being able to clap you guys up and see you guys and hear your voices and um, dap you guys up is always like, always gives me good energy knowing that, you know, when we come back for the next game, like we're still going to have you guys support. And it's just all about like being together, being a group, being a family and, um, and wanting to, to do the best for the badge and for Richmond. So do you guys, do you guys like hear us on the field? Like you guys come over for corner kicks? Like do you guys hear us like yelling and stuff? Um, I think it's, it's funny. Cause I think you guys are probably more quiet when like one of our guys is going to take a corner. Um, so whenever I'm on the near post and we're defending kind of the, the goal in front of section, we're defending that side and I'm on the near post waiting for a corner or like a set piece coming in. I'm there. Um, I always wonder what's going through the players heads, like on the other team when they're like standing right there and you guys are all shouting right in their ears. Cause I know I've taken a few corners in, uh, in a few places that are pretty hostile. Like uh, back then I took a corner in St. Louis and someone spit on me. So, I mean, I'm hoping you guys don't do that. Cause that's, that's sucked. And I'm sure you aren't, but like, no, I always, no. it always goes through in my head. Like, what are those guys thinking? Cause I'm sure they're nervous. Like I'm sure they're hoping like, I, yo, I hope this is the best ball I ever serve on a corner. These people are going to rip me for it. So <laughs> I, I definitely hear you guys for sure. No, it's more so of just, Telling the substitutes to stretch and make sure yeah, they get exactly, the hammies. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. more or less it. Yeah. Um, so you had your debut for Richmond against Crystal's FC in that US Open Cup game. Right. How was that? Because I know after that game, a lot was talking about how like the small team Crystal's beat the Richmond kickers and a lot of fans in the stadium were pissed. How was it to make your debut for the team in the US Open Cup or that? How did it came? Um, it's actually funny because I I think it was maybe like the third or fourth game I'd actually dressed for. And um, I was just like waiting. I, I Honestly, I was just waiting for the game to end because I didn't think I was going to get a chance because we had some good players on the bench, um, especially under Lee. Like Lee made sure that we always had a squad that was too deep in a lot of positions, especially a winger. And um, it, the game just wasn't going our way. Nobody was really showing well. I think like if I really remember closely, like the only two players that were playing well were Alex Lee and Udai Amara, which are – kickers legends but um he called me in at halftime and basically said like hey you're gonna play tonight so just get ready and i came in for the halftime talk with the with the starters and i didn't go in halftime um you know but i did get my chance to go in and for me personally um i had a chance to score at the end the ball someone i think it might have someone someone took a volley, they kicked it in the ground, it bounced right past my knee, and I thought potentially if I had gotten my kneecap on the ball, I might have been able to redirect it. But um, other than that, like I really didn't get an opportunity to impact the game in any real way. Um, so I didn't feel responsible for it. I felt like with the team that we put out there at the beginning of the game, we should have put the game to bed immediately um, just because of like basically like the quality disparity, you know, us in the USL and then Christos is like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what league they play in, but like Sunday league or amateur or whatever it is. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's football. That's the beauty of the game of football, right? Like 
any team can be any team on any given day. And that's why they have tournaments like the Open Cup or the FA Cup in England. Like that's why they have those tournaments to give teams like Christos a chance to play against the kickers and win. Like that's the whole point of the thing. So, um, you know, you can't really, you can't really complain about it happening because it does happen. It happens all the time. Yeah. So that is one hundred percent true. I just remember that game. I'm just like. Oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> well, I mean, it's horrible. Like, the Open Cup's an opportunity for us to play MLS teams, not to allow Christos to beat us and go play Pittsburgh or whatever it was, you know? <laughs> definitely. Um, so, you definitely came in as this guy that was, like we said, gritty, grinding, feel like there's a whole style of play. So now yep. you're more of the veteran on the team. One of the, mm-hmm. you know, I think – you are the longest ever person on the kickers, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So how is that whole role for you, even though you're not the oldest by age-wise, but, like, being one of the more veteran presences here on the team, how is that for you? And do you see players like Bologna's or Alves or Anderson? Like, how are you helping nurture that group? Um, honestly, I, I wish I did more. Um, not saying that I don't do anything, but I wish I did more. I wish I felt – um, maybe a little bit more comfortable to be kind of like a teacher slash role model. But like, I've had a tough year personally myself. Um, just things in my personal life have actually had a pretty big impact on the field for me. So the past month, especially, I've been focusing on just myself and how I play and what I can do to impact the team. And I think in in time, you know, we got a long season. You know, October, November is where we're is where we're headed. So you know, in time, I'm sure, um, by example, I'll be, I'll be the leader I need to be. But right now I feel like I'm actually letting the team down just in not in performance wise. I feel like I haven't given us, given the team a nine or a 10 yet this whole season. Like I thought I played well against, um, NCFC, but, but yeah, I mean, this year we actually don't have any rookies. Um, Actually, what Chris Cole is a rookie, but um, signed originally on the team. We had we didn't have any rookies, so it's one of those seasons where I think everyone knows what they need to bring, and it's just about bringing it every day and making sure that we have competition at each position. And um, guys like you mentioned, like like Johnny Stanley, Olix, um, all extremely talented guys, and I'm happy to have them on my team. That's for sure because they're all they're all game changers so the last two years you've led the team with assists last year you led the team to keep passes chances created is it fair to say that maybe your best position is that of an attacking mid or do you really feel like the wing is where you're at um i don't know man honestly i don't know um i just like to play whatever role i'm given um whatever i'm supposed to do to help the team win i'd, I'd like to be able to do that but it, I, I think it really depends on, like, what team we're playing. Like, in a game like Chattanooga, like, last weekend, I feel like I feel like it would have been good for me to get wider and higher and really put Esparza, their left back, under pressure more, like, running towards his own goal instead of giving him space to play. Um, and then there's other times when I feel like I can really get in the pocket, half turn, and find passes to Emmy and Jono, and get Neil on the ball, or have Calvo overlapping, or 
Luke, if he's the one that's playing right back on the given day. Um, I'd, I mean, you know, obviously this is not realistic, but I'd like to think of myself as like, um, like kind of a mixture of like, um, like a 10 and a seven kind of like Bruno Fernandez type or, or De Bruyne. And obviously I'm nowhere near anywhere, anywhere at that level, but just like in terms of the type of player, um, they come into the pocket, they get the ball, they have to, and they find, they find players. And um, they also kind of get out wide and find those pockets of space out wide and exploit defenders and make overloads. And, um, but yeah, honestly, I don't know what my best position is. It's just like, it kind of depends on what Darren wants me to do. <laughs> you don't say you're not, you know, those type of players. You never know. You know, the USA might call you up for a gold cup. Yeah, we'll see. I got, I got five more years potentially. So we'll see. <laughs> oh man. Um, so just, I want to ask this question to you. Um, after the passing of coach David Bueller, who you played underneath. Yep. How was the team that next game? Like, how was the team emotionally, you know, handling the game? And for those like you, yourself who played on the how were you guys dealing with all of that? Um, for myself, Luke, Yvonne, Akira, uh, Mika, Ray, Riley, um, all the guys who'd been on, on David's staff or – played for him um we we're all we we're all pretty hit hard by that just like you would be by pa- the passing of any family member role model coach teammate obviously um and i think i think the like you know basically what we said to ourselves is the best thing we can do is just go out and win for him go out and enjoy the game because like you could tell in his eyes and in his heart and there's nothing he loved more than soccer you know maybe his family obviously but um, outside of that, soccer was probably the number one passion in his life, just like, just like all of us. And so, the best thing we could do was go out there and, and win. And it, if I remember correctly, I don't know, the days are all meshed into one sometimes during the season. But was that Tormenta? Was it Tormenta? Was the next game? Yeah, that was Tormenta. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so luckily we got the win, um, and uh, I think it helped that the whole kind of Richmond Kickers community came together and. I mean, RVA soccer community came together as well because he coached for the strikers after coaching the pro team. So uh, it was the kind of the whole community came together and we really, um, we did our thing that night. And yeah, it's still, it's still hard to kind of accept and like even really believe because it's just like, it's one of those like wild, wild things. And um, it just, it just kind of uh, goes to show that like, you know, nothing's given and nothing's given in this life. And like, you know, any day could be your last. So take advantage of what you get. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. He was a big influence. Not only in our podcast, but like the community, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I want to kind of lift the mood up a little bit more that. I want to ask you like, how is that mode up pregame? Like what are you listening to music before the game? Or are you, just chatting up, like how are you before games? Because me personally, um, like before games, I was like had the headphones in, like I was zoned out to the world. So how are you? Of course. Um, well, obviously you gotta you gotta look good first of all. When you show up at the stadium, you gotta look good. If you're not looking good, probably not feeling good, right? So you gotta look good. 
um, walking into the stadium. And then usually what I do every, every home game, at least I'll walk a lap around the field um, just to kind of like get my bearings and get ready to step onto the field. So I, I don't actually step onto the pitch until warmups, but I'll take a lap around the field with my headphones on, listen to music, smell the smells of the stadium, see this, see the stadium security. And um, sometimes some people that work for the front office and just like get a feel for what the game day is like. Um, and then I'll go back into the, st- in, into the locker room, um, keep my headphones on, take out my mat, roll out, stretch, do some yoga. At some point I'll probably meditate for five minutes. Um, and then other than that, it's just about visualizing what the next 90 minutes is going to be like. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm zoned out to the world, but I would say that just like any good pro you're, you're focused on your job, right? Cause Saturday is pretty much the only thing that matters in our job. So if you're not visualizing what's going to go right and preparing yourself for what could go wrong and how you're going to do what you're going to do when that does happen, then you're not doing your job. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much all business, I'd say. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. Hopefully I'll get you in trouble with nobody. But <sighs> who is the best dresser on the team and who is the person who needs the most improvement? We're not going to say worse, just needs a little improvement. Um. Uh, I think you, uh, you, you, you're you a year late on this one because I'd rip Greg Bame for his, for the way he dresses, but I love Greg Bame, so it's whatever. Or Scott Thompson, but um, best dressed on the team? I'll give you, I'll give, I don't, I don't want to say myself, obviously, but I, I do dress well. I got some style, but I'm not going to say myself. I'll say, um, I'll give it to my roommate, Luke Pavone, for sure. He's got, he's got some swag for sure with the shoes, the pants, the shirts. He's got some swag. Also, um, also, Olix Anderson's got some swag too. So I'll give it, I'll give it to them too. Olix and Luke. Okay. Okay. So that's another thing. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing I want to talk to you about, man. Like, the friendship you and Luke have is like stuff with legends. <laughs> yeah, for real. I swear y'all two should probably have your own movie. How did that <laughs> friendship come to be and why is it so important? Um, it started at UMass. Um, we went to UMass together, um, both freshmen there. Um, and I don't know, man, just like people, you know, just like like-minded people gravitate towards each other. And, um, we've kind of always had the same mentality. Like we, we both wanted to play pro and, um, we were both kind of had the same mentality about what we needed to do at UMass, which was Sam Koch's base saying was basically get more fit. You'll, you'll be better at soccer if you never get tired, right? Like if you never get tired, then you could do whatever you want for the whole game. So it was always our focus is get more fit you know, do our job, make sure that we're focused on what we need to do. And then, um, when I left, um, I was actually thinking about transferring to buff state with him. Um, but I didn't, he ended up going to buff state. I ended up signing pro. He finished school. He came, uh, he hit me up. Um, after I think he was on trial with maybe Red Bull two, I think back then maybe it was 2018. He was on trial with Red Bull two and for some reason it didn't work out and he came on trial here um in 2018 it didn't work out but then he signed a contract in israel and it honestly like he he's he's a he's a good interview as well so i mean if you ever have the time like he's got a good story of his own um and he could 
explain it way better than I could. But I was playing in Richmond. He went to Israel. Um, I don't want to give it away in case you in case you do interview him, but it got a little janky, and he ended up having to come back. And then under Dave Bulo, he signed a contract. Um, like kind of through me. Like obviously, I didn't help him sign the contract, but I helped him get here to Richmond. Then he, sh- he showed well, earned a contract, and we've been living together for what three years now. And um, yeah, I mean, he's like a brother to me. So uh, we do everything together. Like we both got our own fish tank here. Um, you know, we got we got the boys chilling with us. Um, we've moved. We've lived three different places here in Richmond. Played for two different coaches. You know, we've been through a lot. So, um, yeah, that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime brother right there for sure. So not only do y'all two have an aquarium together, you <laughs> have a greenery, <laughs> and you're also this master agent signer. So that you wear a lot of hats. Just saying, buddy. Yeah, you wear a lot yeah, of hats. I'll, I'll take it. I should be getting paid for the for the signing bonuses and the signing on fees, but it's all right. Because look, once you know what that reintroduced Luke this year, so I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, I did. That's a- right. I did. Yeah, well, that's just that's just the friendship, man. It is, it is, it is <laughs> real love there for sure. I'm just saying, man. You need that look and look and be like, hey, look, I need at least ten percent something. I know. Something. I should I should give Rob Ucop a call a call. <laughs> oh man. Well, most definitely, man. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, of um, course. You've been someone who's been looking at an interview for a while. Um before we close out, is there anything else you want to add? Anything you want to drop in there? Um, well, I hope to see everyone that can possibly get into City Stadium at City Stadium on Saturday. Um, yeah, we're going to do our best to get get, get another dub. And um, obviously our long-term goal is to make the playoffs. But um, just I know you guys will never stop supporting us, but just stay on side because, you know, we have a long season and we're taking it week by week and some weeks aren't going to be the best. Like for example, Chattanooga, but that's the beauty about soccer. You always have the next game. So, um, you know, all our eyes are on new England and hope to see you guys out there wearing red or black or white or whatever color you want to wear. All the jerseys are fire this year. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and I love playing for this club. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to leave for, for any amount of money or, or any any different situation. I love it. Man, you just know how to get the fans over. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> well, with that being said, listeners, always you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at River City 93 With that being said, this is your host, Elliot, and I will catch you guys later on the good side. I'll let you later.